0: Great job, worship team. Let's give them another hand for taking us into the presence of God. Oh, Amen. Did a great job leading us into the presence of the Lord, and uh, I believe the atmosphere is right for the Word of God to touch our hearts and to change us. Do you believe that God's Word is so powerful that it just in a moment's time, the spoken Word of God can transform your life? Do you believe that? Yeah. Is there anyone here today that, that came to a church service at any point in your life and maybe you walked in the door with your heart full of doubt, but something happened in that service and there was there was a transformation that began in that moment? Anyone willing to raise your hand and say, that was me? Amen. I want you to look around. If you're here this morning and you're, uh, you're questioning what this year has for you and you're not certain whether or not uh, this Christian walk is for you or God can do something in your life. Once again, raise your hand if God began a work in your heart initially in one service. Raise your hand. Look around you. This room is full of witnesses today that God can take a moment in time and redirect your path and set you on a path uh, of of fulfillment and peace and joy in His Spirit. So I've got some good news for you today. You're in the right place at the right time. Amen? Amen. And I trust that uh, God's Word is going to... Reaching your heart if you'll open your heart to Him. So let's look at John chapter 5. And I want to read a very familiar uh, passage to you from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. The Bible says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him he said sir i have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred but while i'm coming someone else steps in before me. Jesus said to him rise up take up your bed and walk and immediately the the man was made well and took up his bed and walked and that day was the sabbath. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject because you know life can be cruel. Life can be harsh and there are, there are moments that will bring us to uh, the the edge of decisions and the the, the threshold of uh, of making a decision that can direct our lives and, and point us in certain directions. And many times life will bring us to a point where we question: Is God there? Is He really there? Is He available to me? Um, is He is He is He going to work in my life? I know He worked in those who raised their hands, but what about me? Is He there? Will He be there? in time. I want to talk to you today about a God who is never too little and he's never too late. Now, I know you can tell by looking at me, I I was a softball star in my high school years. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I was far from it. But around 1990, I was at a youth camp, a summer camp. And uh, you know, Summer camps are great spiritual environments with all these spiritual kids, and everybody there is super spiritual. Um, (laughs) I was there to impress girls, and uh, maybe I wasn't that spiritual at that time, but (laughs) our, our, our baseball team, our church softball team, had a sponsor. A guy in our church, he wanted us to look good because we weren't very good, so he bought us... These white and blue pinstriped uniforms. We were the only church softball team to be decked out in custom-made blue and white pinstriped uniforms. We had we had um, you know the 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 hats. We had our names were the Terminators. <laughs> we were bad to the bone. <laughs> And, uh, you know, youth camp, you know, you want to impress everybody. You want to knock the ball over the fence. When, you, when it's your turn to bat and you've got uh, bleachers full of single young ladies watching you, you want to knock the ball over the fence because that's obviously what girls are looking for when they're looking for a boyfriend is somebody that hits the ball far. <laughs> and I remember this particular summer in 1990, I stepped up to the batter's box and there was a particular girl I was trying to impress she had come to me and talked to me. She was a friend of mine. She would come to me and, and um, was not a counselor at that time, but she came to me and said, hey, you know, my boyfriend, I saw him talking to another girl. I'm upset. She was crying, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to win this girl over with a home run. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the batter's box, and I've got my sights set on the back fence, And they pitched the ball, and I'm sure it was a slider or a curve or a 90-mile-an-hour fast pitch or something in softball. And I heard that dreaded word, strike, (laughs) three times, (laughs) strike. And then the walk of shame after the umpire said, you're out. Who strikes out at softball? (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad I've got some witnesses in the house today <laughs> I walked that, that walk back to the dugout I was so ashamed of my Terminator uniform <laughs> I don't know if it's the reason why But that girl went on to marry somebody else Probably because I struck out that day But it's almost like, you know, telling you that story and reliving that story with you this morning. I can almost feel, you know, the 110 degree temperature in southwest Louisiana. I can feel the the polyester of my blue and white uniform. You know, I could feel the sweat running down the back of my neck. But I can also feel the tension of squeezing that bat and swinging expecting contact. I didn't go up there with the intention of striking out. But I went up there expecting every time I swung that that ball was going to sail over the back fence. I wonder what would happen if we approached our walk with Jesus with the same tenacity and faith. That every time we approached Him in prayer, every time we showed up to the house of God, There was an expectancy in our our spirit that as we worship, as we pray, as we talk to him, as we seek him, that there was going to be contact in the spirit and something would happen. What would happen if we swung for the fences today? What would happen in your life today if you leaned into God? Now, now, you, you know, you can read people's body posture and... And uh, thankfully, nobody's asleep here yet today. But you can read people's body posture, and you know a skeptic when you see one, because they're kind of like, you know, they got their arms crossed, they're leaning back. When you're trying to tell somebody how big the fish was that you caught, you know, they're like, yeah, right, you know. They've got that body posture. But, but there's something about somebody, when you've got their attention and they're leaning in, you know, tell me some more about that. What would happen today if we leaned into God? If we leaned into faith, if we changed our posture in our spirit of saying to ourselves, you know, I'm not sure if God can, but if we changed our posture and said to ourselves, today just might be my day. I'm going to lean into God. I'm going to lean into faith and I'm going to expect something miraculous to happen in my life. You see, faith is not a lottery. It's it's not where we just pray and cast our chips on the table and hope for the best. John 15 and 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, what you desire, what you long for, and it shall be done to you. What, 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 I, what I interpret from this is if you lean into God, if you lean into me, you ask what you will and it will be done. Now, when we go to the doctor and the doctor asks us, what's, what's your symptoms? What's the matter? Man, I don't, I, we, we tell the doctor all kinds of embarrassing stuff, right? Why? Because he's got that degree on the wall. He's got that license on the wall. And we have confidence that I'm about to, I'm about to tell this guy things I would probably not tell anybody else because I have faith and I trust in his degree. I trust in his education. I trust in his learning that whatever I tell him, he will have a solution for me. Why is it then that when we come to this great God, this God who has proven himself over and over and over again to be faithful, this God who has stepped in and changed our lives and transformed us and worked miracles in our hearts and our lives, why is it that when we approach him, we often approach him with, I'm not sure that God is able I'm not really sure that he can do what he says he will do. I I think it's time for us as Christians to get back to the point of of taking God at his word. You see, when you look at that that shingle on the wall, when you look at that degree, that license on the wall, that doctor, you're taking that doctor's uh, degree at his word that he knows what he's talking about. But what would happen in our lives if we got back to the point of taking God at his word? His word said, if I ask, it's going to happen. His word said, if I seek him, I will find him. His word said, if I knock, it will be open to me. Somebody, that's, that needs to be your resolution in 2018. Not to lose 50 pounds. Maybe you need to lose 50 pounds. Keep that one on the list. But but maybe your, maybe your resolution this year... <laughs> Maybe losing 50 pounds needs to b- bump down a few spaces. But, but, but at the top of your priority, maybe your resolution needs to be, I'm going to take God at his word this year. Right. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to trust God. I'm going I'm to stand on the promises of God. The Bible, we've got to get back in the word of God because the Bible is the prescription for every issue that we face. God's Word will guide us through all of our troubles. It will guide us through, through, through the path of healing from trauma. It will guide us through the, the path of healing uh, from divorce, from death, through depression. We've got to stick with God's words because when your emotions are a wreck and your life is confused, you don't know which way is up. You've got to have something that's concrete, that's solid, that, that's foundational, and that is the Word of God. So, in John chapter five, we read about the man who was an invalid for thirty eight years that's a long time. The average life expectancy in that time was around twenty eight to thirty years. So this guy had already lived he was living on borrowed time. He was already overdue his death and and here he is laying at this place where miracles happen and I don't believe it was was any accident that he was here. I believe that that God had a purpose and God had a plan for him to be there on that particular day because God does everything in decency and in order. I don't believe it's an accident that you're here today, that you're in a place where miracles can happen. You're in a place where a miracle can begin in your spirit, where you can surrender your heart to God and God can begin to bring new life to you. You're here for a purpose. Romans 8 and 28 says that we know that all things work together for good. Not not all things are good, but all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brother. What does this mean? What this means is that man, probably possibly sickness came on his life at some point, and he he could have died from that sickness, but But God looked at him and said, no, I've got a plan for you. I've got a miracle down the road for you, so you're not going to die yet. Maybe people tried to convince him, hey, you need to just leave the pool. You need to just give up on this hope for a miracle. But Jesus said, no, not yet. I've got a plan for you. Maybe there's been people in your life that said, you can't get this right. You're never going to break that addiction. You're never going to have a great marriage. You're never going to overcome the issues, the struggles in your life. You may as well give up. But God has sent a word to somebody today, not yet. Because I've got a destination for you. I've got a plan for you. And if you'll just stay in the right place, my purpose is going to connect with you and miraculous things will happen. <laughs> Somebody say, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Now, I, I, it's kind of funny, but I was this morning I was, I was waiting on uh, my bride and my beautiful daughter to finish beautifying. <laughs> <laughs> Any of you husbands know what I'm talking about? It doesn't take me long to do my hair. I mean, it's just wake up and go. But I, while I was downstairs, I was scrolling through Facebook, you know, finding needs to pray for. <laughs> that's no, I know that's what we Christians do. We're not snooping on people. We're finding prayer requests. Yeah, look at them fighting on Facebook. They need, I need to pray for them. Uh-huh share. You're not sharing it with Jesus. You're sharing it with the world. <laughs> I derailed myself bad. Let me get back on track. <laughs> but I was watching Facebook this morning, and, and I saw the right Reverend Steve Harvey. Yeah, and he, it was a clip. Maybe you've seen this. It was a clip. I'd never seen this before. It was a clip after they had stopped filming, uh, what is it he does, Family Feud? They had stopped filming Family Feud, and apparently he gives like a motivational talk af- after they cut the cameras off, and they, start, they stop recording. Well, they happen to be recording this particular talk, and man, it was like he was having church in there. He was talking about people that, that you need to jump. Anybody seen that, that talk? He was talking about you got to jump. You, can't, you see people soaring in life and you wonder how, how did they get there? How did they get to that place in life where they're successful? How did they get to that, that place where they're happy or they're full of peace and joy? He said, well, we're standing on the cliff wondering how did they get there. We just we have to jump. we got to jump. Sometimes that's what it takes is to jump. Sometimes we've got to understand that, that, that God has a place for us. God has something for us uh, ahead of us. And the enemy and family and friends are telling us, no, 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 it's not for you. But it's just, it's not, it's not that it's not for you, it's just been not yet. But God has something for you today if you'll take that step of faith. If you'll go ahead and take the leap, God's going to do something in your life. I, you know, I get it. There's people here today that, that are suffering from what seems like a lifetime of sickness and you're probably in pain today and you're you have chronic illnesses and things that are that are hurting you even today you probably didn't really want to be here this morning but you showed up and you're hurting in your body and you're wondering is Jesus really my healer and there are people here today that you're struggling with addictions and you've tried to overcome those addictions and and you've not been successful yet and you felt like giving in you felt like quitting you feel like you can't take it anymore but God has something else in mind for you. He has freedom for you. He has a breakthrough. We sang it earlier. He has a breakthrough. Planned for your life, don't quit. Because he's never too little and he's never too late. He's always right on time. Amen. Can somebody testify to that today? That God is always right on time. 38 years this man laid at the pool of Bethesda. 38 years, 38 times other people stepped in front of him and got their miracle. I don't know about you, but that's a lot to watch somebody else be blessed and you not be blessed. (laughs) 38 times his hopes rose and fell. 38 times he was on the verge of crawling to the pool or or asking for somebody to help him. And 38 times he got his hand stepped on. 38 times somebody walked by and said, no, you just may well keep laying there. I'm getting in. 38 times his faith was dashed over and over and over again. 38 years he begged for someone to put him in the pool. And he says in John 5 and 7, the sick man told Jesus, he said, sir, I have nobody to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm on my way, someone steps down in front of me. Now, I've read this story so many times and I have felt sorry for this poor crippled man. This poor guy who has nobody to put him in the pool. But something else I see in him, 38 unanswered prayers, but he kept showing up. 38 times his faith rose and was crushed, but he kept showing up. 12 months he had waited. Once a year, the miracle would happen, and he sat there for 12 months. Most of us won't even wait 12 minutes or 12 seconds. We go through the drive through mm. Come on, somebody. And we're laying on the horn. It sounds like New York City at Taco Bell. Come on, I need my taco. Been waiting here for two minutes. Then take that long to make a taco. <laughs> the car in front of you has got 15 kids and they're handing bags of stuff out the window. And you ain't praying for them either. But that's the way we are. We want it right now. And this guy, he said, I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to wait because my time is coming. My time is coming. 12 months, 38 years, he waited and he waited and he waited. Why do you keep showing up and getting disappointed? Why? Why the effort to try to call, crawl off your step? Let me tell you something. God won't answer 100% of the prayers that we don't pray. He can't tell us no if we don't ask. Yeah. Many of us won't even give God a chance to say no, and sometimes he does. Sometimes he says, no, that's not for you, or this is not the time or the place. But no matter how many times you keep striking out, faith keeps swinging. Yeah. Faith keep, keeps asking. Faith keeps showing up. Faith is so much more than a high moment in a worship service where we feel the goosebumps and we connect with God and God does something. Faith is faithfulness. Faith is the ability to stay put when you feel nothing. Faith is the ability to show up to church every Sunday when everybody else around you is getting blessed and you're still hurting in your body. Faith is staying with it when your addiction seems to have more power over you than you have over it. Faith is saying, no matter what, I'm not leaving because I know God is able. That's what faith is. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, to Stay. Some of y'all needed to hear that. Uh-huh. You don't have to have faith for tomorrow or the next day. You just have to have faith for for today. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay right now in this moment. And when Jesus saw him, he, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? What a, what a strange question. Pastors and preachers and teachers have talked about that for years. It's a strange question. Do you want to be made whole? Of course I want to be made whole. But this is where this is where people... Uh, usually back away from change. It is so tragic to watch an individual or a couple come into a counseling setting and begin to talk about their their problems and begin to work through things and get to the brain. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I know what I need to do. I know. I know what the right answer is. I know I'm not thinking rationally. I know what I need to do to make my wife, uh, make my marriage better. I know what I need to do. But then they back away from it. And they fail to do it. And it can be exhausting. Change can be exhausting. It takes a lot of work. You see, habits are formed when we repeat behavior over and over again. And, and it forms neural paths in our brains. And it just kind of, our, our brain loves patterns. Our brain loves rituals. How many of you drove the same way to church today that you always drive? I didn't because I hadn't been here since 98. (laughs) But you probably parted your hair on the same side you always parted on if you've got any. You probably tied your shoes the same way you always tie them. Our brains love patterns because our brains are like a supercomputer. It's always looking for the easiest route, the most familiar territory. And here's the problem with this. While it works for us with repeating particular behaviors that we need to, it backfires on us when trying to change our lives, when trying to get to a point where we know we need to be because our brains will naturally go back to what's familiar. That's why people repeat abusive relationships because the brain will naturally choose the familiar over the unfamiliar even if the familiar is more painful than the unfamiliar. Because the brain likes familiarity. And, and the challenge for us is to move beyond that and get to the point where we understand what's waiting for me is so much better than what I'm experiencing right now. What God has for me is so much better than what I'm experiencing right now. I want to challenge you this morning don't give up because of uncertainty. Safety, the safety of familiarity says, stay on your mat. Stay put. You fell 38 times. God hasn't answered yet. You're familiar with this place. Don't leave. Stay here. And many of you today, you've, you've lived with regrets. You've lived with uh, frustration in your life because you know that God has something more for you, but you've just not taken that step of faith to see God do it. I once read a study, it was kind of kind of depressing, but it was by nurses that that sit with people who, in their last months of life and they interviewed these nurses and asked them you know what what are some things that you hear from your patients and one of the things that they they listed like top ten things that they hear from people who are um, suffering suffering from terminal illness in, in and are, in are dying and one of the number one things that they listed was that they had regrets over things they wished they had done. Don't live your life with regret. Don't walk out of this building today saying, man, I just I wish I would have responded. I wish I would have opened my heart to God. I wish I would have surrendered myself to Him today. Jesus told the sick man, He said in verse 7 and 8, He said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and he walked. God will often ask us to do what we think is impossible before he will do the supernatural. doesn't make sense to us that he would say to a lame man, get up. It seems that the miracle should come first. And then he would say, now you're healed, now get up. But Jesus looked at the lame man and said, rise up. He will often ask us to do what we feel is impossible. And maybe today it feels impossible to you to surrender to to God. Maybe it feels impossible to you to say yes to him. Maybe it feels impossible to you to lift your hands and surrender, bow your head in prayer and say, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. Maybe that feels impossible to you. But Jesus said, do what seems impossible to you and I will do the supernatural. Philippians 4 and 13 says, I can do all things through Christ. Everybody say, I can. I can. I can do all things through Christ. Let me close with three ingredients to the miraculous today. Number one, the lame man did not receive the miracle until he received the word. you got to get the word in your spirit. Today, maybe you've uh, maybe you shut me out in the first five minutes. Maybe you didn't like my baseball story. Maybe you felt so much pity for me. You're just like, this guy, he strikes out in softball. I don't hear nothing he's got to say. <laughs> but maybe at some point in the service, the word of God has, has found its way into your heart, and it's touched you, and it's spoken to you. That's the first thing that's got to happen. You've got to get the word in your spirit. You've got to take God at his word. You've got to read God's word. Well, I don't understand it too much. Well, read it some more. Read it some more. Maybe you were, you know, if you're a mechanic, the first time you went to mechanic school, or you probably didn't know everything that was going on. You read a manual. You read some books. You had somebody instruct you. It's the same way we learn God's Word. We just keep reading it. We keep reading it. Speak God's Word. Speak God's Word over your life. Speak God's Word over your family. Meditate on it. Pray over it. Write it. The second thing you have to obey, you have to get God's word in your spirit, then you have to obey he said he said but but you don't understand, I can't get in the pool. I have no man. I'm all alone, I'm by myself, and illnesses and and divorce and trauma can can be isolating. One person told me one time they said, "You know I feel that that my um, my loss is like a disease because people try to comfort me, and they don't know what to say and People don't know how to talk to me now, and they stay away from me, and they say awkward things to me. I feel like I have an illness because of my loss, and pain can do that. It can feel isolating. It can feel lonely, and maybe that's what this lame man felt, was that he was he was alone, and maybe his companions told him, you just need to give up and make room for somebody that can actually get there, but allow me to remind you today that the Bible says there is none Righteous. We're all broken. We're all lame at the pool. Not one person in here has made it. Not one person here is more capable than the other. We're all broken and in need of, of a rescuer. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Lastly, in order to see change in your life and to meet this God who's never too little and never too late, you've got to be willing to give up your mat for a miracle. It came down to this, and this is the crux of the whole thing. It came down to this: he had to be willing to say, I- "I'm I'm tired of being where I am. I'm more frustrated with where I am than what I than than, than the fear of the future. You got to get to that point where you say, you know what. I want want my marriage to be better so I'm willing to do whatever it takes for it to be better I love it when people say that because that's like a blank canvas let's repaint this thing but when people come in and say I know what to do but I just don't think I can do it I don't know if I can love her the way the Bible says for me to love her. I don't know if I can love him or honor him the way the Bible says for me to honor him. Well, if, you're, if that's your thought processes, then you're probably going to stay stuck. But if you can get to the point where you say, you know what? The past is the past, it's there, we're going to deal with it. But in this moment, I want things better and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. I'm willing to change the way I talk to my spouse, the way I love my spouse. I want to do whatever it takes. Maybe you're battling addiction today. You got to fall in love with Jesus more than you love pills. You got to fall in love with Jesus more than you love the feeling that the, the drugs that that give you, the alcohol. You got to fall in love with Jesus. I know it can be a journey. God can deliver people from addictions in a moment and sometimes he takes them on a long journey. But you got to start with a step you got to start with a decision today that says, I'm tired of this mat. I'm tired of this place. I want what God has for me. Amen. Maybe you've struggled 38, 48, 58 years. Just come to give somebody some good news. That God is a God who's never too little and never too late. If you'll just take one step.